great song, and uh, just a wonderful future uh, the Lord has provided for us. Uh, we are fully confident of what the future holds. Uh, God's Word has told us, and Jesus has made full provision for it. So. Well, we're in uh, the book of Daniel. We've been doing a series in the book of Daniel. And we're in Daniel chapter 4. Daniel chapter 4. Now, the, uh, the title kind of get us off to a bad start, but we're going to have a good landing in this message, okay? So don't let the, don't let the title uh, discourage you too much, but uh, the title is this. We are self-destructive. We are self-destructive. And uh, well, that's, uh, that's why we needed Jesus. And uh, you think of a man like Nebuchadnezzar, I mean, he literally, you know, on top of the world. And you would think if anybody would have it made, he'd have it made. But look at, uh, look at Daniel chapter 4 and go down to verse, I think it's 33. Daniel chapter 4, 33. This is talking about uh, the head of gold, <laughs> the king that was kind of emblematic of all the human kings on earth. But look what it says here in Daniel chapter 4, verse 33. The same hour was the thing fulfilled upon Nebuchadnezzar, and he was driven from men. And look at this. And did eat grass as an oxen, and his body was wet with the dew of heaven, Till his hairs were grown like eagles' feathers. What a sight that must have been. And his nails like birds' claws. Are you picturing that? This is the king who abode in the greatest palace in the world and was used to all the finer things. And then it just made the proclamation that he was in awe because of what he had made and what he had accomplished. And look at his life now. It's a disaster. His life is a disaster. And how many times have we seen that replicated in man's stories, in the story of mankind, men and women, with the great potential given to them as the crowning point of, man, of God's creation, but yet reaching a point in, in life where people would look at their life and just say, what a mess. What a disaster. How did that person ever get to that point in their life? That's the question that we have with Nebuchadnezzar here. How did he get there? How did he get to his life being such a disaster? The thing of it is, with Nebuchadnezzar, like with most of us, when we get in messes in our life, we would have to say it didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be that way. Now, I do understand that you know, God allows different things in our life, even as we've, we're looking at our theme in this year from Romans chapter 8, that you know, things that, that we didn't foresee or we wouldn't have chosen to be that way, uh, things that we look at as being bad and being negative that happen in our life, and, and, and God has allowed those things, maybe even orchestrated them, to work in our lives for the good of us being made more like Jesus Christ. 
And we're, we're learning to understand that, and we can appreciate that. But you know, a lot of, a lot of times when, when people find themselves in a disaster time in their life, kind of hitting rock bottom, as we say, and people look at it and say, what a mess. It's because they went down a road of ignoring what God was doing in their life and keeping God at an arm's length. And that's exactly what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. And let me tell you, if it could happen with Nebuchadnezzar, let us be all on alert. It could happen to anybody. And... Uh, and so a lot of times, you know, we're kind of hard, we're kind of hard on these Bible characters and think, well, that would never be me. <laughs> Are you kidding me? I mean, the things we're going to see in Nebuchadnezzar is exactly like us, <laughs> like our propensities that are common uh, to mankind. And uh, so let's uh, ask the Lord to uh, help us uh, with this. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, please open up these truths to us. Lord, I need you as a preacher right now. Lord, I am nothing without you. Do what only you can do through the truth, I pray. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. First of all, I want to talk about Nebuchadnezzar's re uh, revelations, or the things that God had done to reveal uh, things to him. And uh, the, the first thing I want to mention under Nebuchadnezzar's revelations, because God had done a lot in, in, in Nebuchadnezzar's life. He had opened up some things to him. He had shown him some things. And these things proved to, to me, as I look at it, that God was pursuing him. God was pursuing him. In John chapter 1, the Bible says that God gives light unto every man. And so God is working in the life of every human being. Everybody is made with the potential of having an eternal relationship with God. And God works to that end. God brings light to individuals. And as we respond to light, what does he do? He gives us more light. And he's very gracious to be at work in a purposeful fashion in the lives of mankind. And uh, he, pursued, he pursued Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, we know from the book of, uh, of Psalms 139, it says, He knows our down-sittings and our uprisings. He knows you're here today. He knows you're sitting here today. It's not a mistake that you're here today. It's not a coincidence. God's working in your life. He knows who you are. He knows uh, um, your name. He knows your situation. He knew who Nebuchadnezzar was. And the Bible says, in the same psalm, he knows our downsittings and our uprisings. And it says, he besets us before and behind. In other words, there are things that he besets us that are, are going to happen in our life that we don't even know, we haven't gotten to yet, but he's put there in order to work in our life. When we get to those things, he's going to be trying to do something uh, in particular in your life. It's like, you know, we, we know from Daniel chapter 1, uh, these guys, by happenstance, were brought over into the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. You had uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, uh, and uh, Azariah. And uh, it just happened, right, that they took a stand uh, for what was right. And it just happened that the, the king came into contact with them at various times. Or did that just happen? No, God was pursuing Nebuchadnezzar. He was bringing Nebuchadnezzar in contact with truth bearers. <laughs> right? He was, he was pursuing Nebuchadnezzar. He was besetting Nebuchadnezzar behind and before. And uh, God does that in a remarkable way in our lives. That personal pursuit. And many times, what does he do? In that pursuit, he uses people. He uses people. If you look back at uh, here... Uh, once again, 
Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he, he had vivid dreams, that guy. He had really vivid dreams. And I have, I, I, you know, some nights I wake up and I think, I, I, was, I, I was like dreaming all night. I can remember that I was dreaming, but I can hardly remember what I was dreaming. You ever have a night like that? You just had all kinds of dreams. And uh, none of my dreams have been quite as detailed as Nebuchadnezzar's dreams. And here in chapter 4, he had this dream of this big, powerful tree. And this tree was, was, was full of foliage and full of, of fruit. And, and it was just a very healthy uh, uh, tree, vibrant tree. And uh, to the extent that underneath it, it was a wonderful shade tree. And the cattle would gather underneath it. And, and, and people would gather underneath it for, for, for shade. And it, and, it, and it provided for all the people. But some messengers came down from the Holy One. And they ended up cutting this tree down so that only the stump was left. And a message was given from these holy ones to, uh, in regards to the, to the tree. And that's the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had. And he woke up and he could remember this dream. And he just had this sense that this dream meant something. And Nebuchadnezzar, evidently when he had these dreams, you know, he couldn't, he couldn't shake it until he, he figured them out. You know, was there some significance there? Was there a hidden message there? What was this tree? What was it all about? You know, healthy, then cut down and, and hewed down and, and, and not being a provider anymore. And uh, look at uh, um, verse uh, 8 here in chapter 4. Uh, by the way, he went uh, to these uh, astrologers, verse 7, Chaldeans, soothsayers. He went to all these guys, you know, with their crystal balls and their tea leaves and um, tarot cards, whatever else they had going on there. And uh, they, they were really of no help. And then it says in verse 8, but at the last, what? Daniel came in before me. Now, this is, this is a unique chapter in the book of Daniel because this is Nebuchadnezzar's testimony. This is Nebuchadnezzar's testimony right here. And it's a testimony of a life of one who reached what we saw there in verse 33. And uh, it's, it's a remarkable testimony. And really what he's saying is, God used Daniel in my life. As God pursues us, how does he do that? Oftentimes, he'll use people. He will bring us into contact with people that will influence us towards him. And by the way, if you're a Christian, you're meant to be one of those influencers for others. You've got to be alert to those opportunities, those appointments that God gives you to be a Daniel in the life of another person who hasn't found him yet. And there'll be opportunities for that. Dare to be a Daniel, the song says, right? And you've got to step up to the plate when that, when that time comes. And God wants to use you and get that special blessing like I'm sure Daniel did. And uh, so uh, Nebuchadnezzar, like all of us, had people interjected into his life. Think of your life. Think of your life. Hasn't God pursued you in that way? Think about how uh, uh, there's certain people that God has used in your life. Maybe the person even who led you to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Man, you're forever indebted to that person, right? And then there's other people along the way that God interjected in there just to kind of give you some direction, to point you uh, towards Him, to dispense some truth uh, to you. And, uh, you know, God reveals Himself to mankind, and He pursues us, and many times He does it uh, through people. And uh, think of stories that you've heard. One of the most remarkable uh, illustrations of this to me is, is there was the, uh, the testimony of family members of a, um, a flight attendant who died in one of the, 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 uh, the jetliners there, uh, 
in one of the Twin Towers. And uh, the, the, the testimony of a family member of one of those flight attendants who, who actually had accepted the Lord right before they died. And they said it was, it was remarkable because during a, a, just a, 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 a one-week period before that, three different passengers had handed that flight attendant gospel tracts. And God used the culmination of that for that flight attendant to look at the gospel and come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, none of those people knew that, that that flight attendant was going to be going into eternity. And we always you know, think of all these people, you know, they reached the end of their life, and many times you know, they had no premonition that that was going to be the day. I mean, they go, you know, go to the job, go through the, the airport there, go through the, the, uh, 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 wherever the, the, you know, the flight attendants and the, and, the, and the pilots, they always seem to be able to just go wherever they want to go, right? They get right through where the rest of us are waiting in these big lines, which is, is good. And they get all the preparations, and, and she was just thinking that it's going to be just another day. You know, flying from uh, Cleveland to Fort Myers or whatever. And, and, uh, and so, you know, they get on the, uh, the, the plane there. And she did not know that was going to be her last day. But the Lord knew. The Lord knew. And the Lord pursued her in a remarkable way leading up to those days. And there was evidence and there was testimonies afterwards of the fact that the, this, uh, that, that's what, what happened with that, that, with that woman. And God does so many remarkable things. God is so gracious. God is working in people's lives to pursue and to pursue through people. And then also for Nebuchadnezzar, the revelation also came in the form of prophecy, in the form of prophecy. And, uh, you know, in the dreams that he had, uh, he was given disclosure uh, to God's truth. He was given disclosure that, yeah, there was going to be these, these human kingdoms throughout the ages. But then what was it going to be? There was going to be a kingdom not made by man's hands. And that kingdom was going to overwhelm all the rest of the kingdom. There was going to be an everlasting kingdom. He was given a message of, of, of eternal truth. He was given the message that, uh, of, of the one that's going to reign forever. He was given a chance to, to see the fact that, you know, some perspective of even though he was a great king, he was told, your kingdom is one of those that's going to come to an end, just like everything of mankind comes to an end, and you need to be thinking about something eternal. You need to be something, thinking of something, what, what's, what's beyond this earth? You know, okay, you're going to do this, what then? You're going to do that, okay, what then? This is what you, what then? And ultimately, everybody's going to reckon with the fact that it is appointed unto man once to die, and then what, right? And then what? And so Nebuchadnezzar, you know, he, and, and, and some of prophecy in the Bible is foretelling, and he was given some of that. Some of the prophecy in the Bible is foretelling. And really, prophecy, the, 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 the closest thing, if you want to use, you know, the, the terminology of what we're involved in today, it's preaching. What is preaching? Preaching is giving God's truth. It's forth-telling that which God has given us from His Word. And so, how does God reveal Himself to us? Well, like He did with Nebuchadnezzar, He pursues us personally. He uses people in our lives, and He does it through preaching. I mean, probably some of the, the most remarkable things that God has done in my life, He's done through preaching. Just, just bringing truth to me at just the right time. You know, I came and, you know, I sat down. I knew I had some things to deal with and I knew some struggles. Maybe I didn't even totally define what was going on in my life. But through a certain message, God graciously brought exactly what I needed for that time. Just dispensed it to me. 
the preaching, the, the, the prophecy, as it were, from God, the forth telling of God's word smote my heart and did something, you know, that no man could do. And it was wondrous, and it's what I needed. And uh, he did that for Nebuchadnezzar. And so the fact of the matter is that God has done plenty to reveal truth to mankind. And he did plenty to reveal truth to Nebuchadnezzar. But he, like us, was self-destructive. He was his own worst enemy in the face of truth. How many chances do we squander? How many times are we hearers only and not doers? And what did Jesus say? You're going to be a hearer only and not a doer? You know what that's like? That's like building a house without a foundation on the sand next to the ocean. You might as well just be waiting for disaster at that point because it's imminent. And, uh, and so, uh, secondly, we see Nebuchadnezzar's rebellion. We see Nebuchadnezzar's revelations. We see his rebellion. Look at verses 27 to 30. You might look at this initially and say, you know, I don't really see it. I, I don't see uh, Nebuchadnezzar really as being what I would think of as being a rebel. Well, let's think about this a little bit. In verse 27 it says, Wherefore, O king, let my counsel be acceptable unto thee, and break off thy sins by righteousness, and thine iniquities by showing mercy to the poor, if it may be a lengthening of thy tranquility. All this came upon the king Nebuchadnezzar. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdoms of Babylon. Now, let me give you the context here. After he gave his dream to Daniel, Daniel once again said, this is talking about you. <laughs> and he said, Nebuchadnezzar, this time it's not that you're this glorious head of gold. This time you're that tree that's in danger of being hewn down. And I beg of you, Nebuchadnezzar, that you think about this and I beg of you that you react accordingly. Because if not, you're going to be this tree that you feel like you're glorious and you're the provider for everybody, from man to cattle, but you're going to be hewn down. And so he was given that message. This was preached to him, if you want to put it that way. And sometimes preaching, you know, like, I don't want to hear that. That's negative. You're talking about, you know, I'm going to be destroyed. I'm, going to, I'm a bad person. I'm going to, you know, preaching is to help you. I mean, don't you think that would have been helpful to Nebuchadnezzar if he had taken that to heart? And maybe he did for a while, but look at what, what it says here. Verse 29. At the end of 12 months, he walked in the palace of the kingdom of Babylon. 12 months. Uh, so it was after this message. The king spake and said, Is not this great Babylon? that I have built for the house of the kingdom by the might of my power and for the honor of my majesty. Nebuchadnezzar was a rebel. Because you know what the characteristic, the greatest characteristic of a rebel is they lie to themselves about themselves and about God. That's what a rebel does. They lie to themselves about themselves and about God. And their whole life becomes a lie about who they are in relation to God and what they uh, um, have a right to and what they're entitled of. And that might play itself out in all kinds of ways, and you might have the prototypical rebel in your mind what they look like, but let me tell you, you know, it doesn't always translate to the same exact look. Nebuchadnezzar was a rebel because he had been given the truth by God, but he decided that he was still going to assert himself and he was going to go out there in rebellion to this truth and say, no. 
No, I think after all, I don't care what the dream was and what Daniel said. I think after all, I have built this, and I can sustain it, and the glory goes to me. It's my life. I must say what I want about it, and that's just the way it's going to be. And sometimes, you know, rebellion is more, is more passive. You know, sometimes it's not as easy identifiable. But ultimately, it is one who lies uh, to himself. And, uh, and so there's, there's, uh, uh, there's this passive rebellion and this prideful rebellion because that's what, what rebellion is rooted in. It's rooted in, in pride. And we've been studying the book of Proverbs Sunday nights, and we've been missing out on that. You know, there's a, there's a lot there uh, that there's some great wisdom and help for us. But one of the things that it teaches in the book of Proverbs, that's where you've heard it, right? It says, look, pride comes before a fall. Pride leads to destruction, <laughs> And that's, just, uh, that's a rule you can't get around. I mean, pride is going to bring destructive consequences to us. And that's what the Bible says. And, and so you had, you had the, 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 uh, Nebuchadnezzar's rebellion. Sure enough, it's rooted in pride. It's rooted in pride. And so it may have looked passive, but it was prideful, and it became pervasive. It became pervasive. In other words, it became the whole of who he was. Because that was, that was what was in his heart. Now, God was doing a work to change his heart. But up to this point, and what he's demonstrating here, out of the abundance of the heart, what happens? The mouth speaks. Do you want to know if, if you're a prideful rebel? Take inventory of what comes out of your mouth. That will show you right there. And it did with, with Nebuchadnezzar. But God is working in his life. And, and if you think of the attitude of this chapter, if you study the beginning of the chapter and the end of the chapter, he starts out giving glory to God. The majestic, wonderful, holy, almighty uh, God. The worthy one. He starts out doing that and he ends doing that. But in the middle, he tells a story of how he had to come to that conclusion. And that's what we're looking at. And so this is the testimony of Nebuchadnezzar. In the midst of this process, his self-destructive nature, just like with all of us, short circuits and undermines, threatens to ruin the whole operation. Um, I told you it was going to seem negative for a while. And it does continue negative here because we come to Nebuchadnezzar's ruin. We come to his ruin, his revelation, his rebellion, and his ruin. And uh, we read it already, but let's, uh, let's rehearse it one more time. It says in verse uh, 30, uh, 31, while the word was in the king's mouth, he was still speaking the words. <laughs> there fell a voice from heaven saying, O King Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken, the kingdom is departed from thee. And you think this is your kingdom that you have full control over? The voice came to heaven and said, Not so. And they shall drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. Until you know that, this is what's going to be your plight. And giveth it to whomsoever he will. The same hour, we see that, that which happened. They were driven from men, eating grass like a cow. His body, the dew of heaven every night. And, and uh, the hairs were grown out like feathers on his body. And, uh, and his nails were like bird's claws. And you say, well, what a mean God to do that to Nebuchadnezzar. How do people get to where they are? And why does God allow people to hit rock bottom, as it were? 
Well, it tells us right there in verse 37. Until thou know the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men. The best thing that can happen in our life is for us to acknowledge that God is who he is and that we need to give him all the glory. But it's the pride of man that keeps him from that. And did it with Nebuchadnezzar. And so his ruin was predictable. And we can see it coming, can't we? We're reading the story like, come on, Nebuchadnezzar, man. Don't go down that road. And, uh, you know, we can't get around God's laws. And, and you, know, you know that expression, the handwriting on the wall? Well, that's going to be another king coming up in the book of Daniel. But, uh, you know, it's, it's like you know, when, when God gives a law, look, what sort of man a sows, that will he also reap. And you can't get a lot around the, the law of sowing and reaping. You know, when God puts it, in, 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 puts it down, God is not mocked. God is not mocked. And, uh, and Nebuchadnezzar wasn't going to be able to get around it either, even though he was the most powerful man in the, in the world. And it was predictable, and it was pitiful. And you look at the situations that people get themselves into, and you just think, oh, man, that's so sad. It's so sad. It's kind of the brokenness there. And we look at this man who was, who was at the top of the world. Now he's out there, you know, God says, go, 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 go graze in the pasture for a while. Go out there for seven years and we'll talk again about how great you are. And, uh, you know, sometimes you look and you just say, oh, man, what a sorry situation. And we wish that we could fix it for everybody. I can't even fix my own problems. Half the time. But you know, God is doing a work. And God says, you know, what I'm doing in your, in your life, and it's even according to our theme, I mean, we're going to, to, to we're get to a great ending here, okay? And this ending is, 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 a, uh, is applicable to all of us. But uh, the last thing I want you to see about his ruin is that it was public. It was public. God uses object lessons. You know, what we, the, one of the best things we can do is to learn from the object lessons of other people's lives that have gone before us. Because for some reason, we tend to think we can do the same insanities and have different consequences. But so many people have gone before us, and you know, we're all made out of the same stuff, and we all are, kind of have these patterns that are duplicated throughout the ages amongst mankind, and we can look and we can learn not to go down that road. And there's an object lesson here in the life of Nebuchadnezzar where people say, wow, every time they'd walk by that place where he was, you know, roaming around there like a wild animal, they would be like, man, <laughs> that was like the greatest man in the world right there, and look at what happened to him. I better be careful in my own life. I don't want to be, I don't want to reach that. And uh, God wants to demonstrate how self-destructive we can be and cause us to turn uh, for help. And then lastly, this is, a, this is the good ending here, okay? Uh, point number four, Nebuchadnezzar's redemption. His redemption. Look at, look at the, this. Is, this is great. Look at verses 34 uh, to 37. It says, And at the end of the days, I, Nebuchadnezzar, he's continuing his testimony here. And the fact that he's giving his testimony means he's no longer, you know, like a wild animal, obviously. Uh, so he kind of had a premonition of that. But he says, I lifted up mine eyes unto heaven, and my understanding returned unto me. And I blessed the Most High, and I praised and honored Him that liveth forever and ever, whose dominion is an everlasting dominion, and His kingdom is from generation to generation, and all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, and He doeth according to His will.
fell in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? At the same time, my reason returned unto me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my honor, my brightness returned unto me, and my counselors and my Lord sought unto me, and I was established in my kingdom, and excellent majesty was added unto me. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works and truth and his ways judgment, and those that walk in pride he is able to abase. <laughs> what a glorious redemption. And... That's our God. Call it what you want. You know, the Bible says beauty out of the ashes, right? God's specialty, he's a fixer. He brings healing in his wings. <laughs> he takes these, these, these messes in people's lives and, and he helps them to come back to him and to say, God, man, I can't believe where I've gone. And a lot of it is just because I haven't been acknowledging you. I've been prideful, God. I've been self-destructive. I thought that I could do it without you. I wasn't giving you the glory and the honor in my life that I should be. And, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, I believe we're going to see him in heaven someday. Now, maybe you, maybe you thought of just Nebuchadnezzar as being pagan, godless king, and for most of the story, he is. But the end of the story is wonderful. And he said, you know, Nebuchadnezzar, that was a really bad thing to happen to him. Well, was it ultimately a bad thing? It was a bad thing, but it ended up being the greatest thing of all. Once he realized that it was the catalyst to bring him back to acknowledging God in his life. So whatever it is, hey, whatever it is that God uses to bring you back into that, su that sweet recognition of him, even though it's, it's a maybe a tremendously hard thing like he went through, you can glorify him at the end of it. You can say, Lord, thank you for your glorious redemption. And even if it just seems like it's me and you right now and nothing else, everything else fades away, Lord, you are worthy of it all. You are the everlasting one. You are the one that I look to for, for in full adoration. And the one who gives me perspective that where would there be room for pride before you? Where would there be room for pride? And uh, Nebuchadnezzar's redemption, it was, it was personal. He said, I, Nebuchadnezzar, a personal testimony. It was powerful. It was transformational. And it was proclaimed. And that's the thing about your testimony is, look, your testimony is meant to be proclaimed. You are meant to be a mouthpiece to say, this is what I want to give glory to God for, what he's done for me. And, uh, you know, as God works in your life, you're going to have opportunities to do that. Just say, God's been so good to me. God's so gracious. God has done beautiful things in my life, even though I wasn't worthy of it at all. All the glory for anything in my life goes to the Lord Jesus Christ. And that ultimately became Nebuchadnezzar's uh, a testimony. He's a trophy of grace. He's a trophy of grace. He is what we are, <laughs> from self-destructive to saved, by grace from a human wreckage to redemption. And let's read uh, verse 37 one more time, and then, and then we'll close. It says in verse 37, and you can almost insert your name there as a God-fearer, right? Now I, Nebuchadnezzar. Now I, Mark Philbrick. Hopefully, now you can, you know, your testimony. Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the King of heaven, all whose works are truth and his ways judgment, 
And those that walk in pride, he is able to abase. May we walk in humility before the Lord. May the first step of our humility, if you've never experienced this, be to acknowledge that you're a sinner. To say, did I realize that I'm a sinner and I fall short of God's holiness? And I realize that myself is a sinner, I can do nothing to save myself. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The wage of sin is death. And there's not a righteous man upon the earth that doeth right and sinneth not. Jesus Christ came and lived a perfect life. He came and made full provision. But you know what we have to do? We have to be humble enough to admit where we are and that we need him. We have to be humble enough to say, I'm not going to be prideful anymore to say, I'm going to build this life and I'm going to make it to heaven and I'm going to do what I have to do to be successful in this life. Instead, I'm going to totally humble myself for the Lord and say, I need you. I recognize now that I was a prideful sinner and I repent of that and I turn to totally depend upon you, Jesus. And when you do that, you will become, just like Nebuchadnezzar, a trophy of his grace, brought out of the wreckage of sin, be redeemed for eternity. We are self-destructive in our sin. But you know, when we acknowledge that, it helps us to see how glorious the redemption of God is. And if you experience that, you thank Him for that every day. If you haven't, this can be the greatest day of your life. Just like Nebuchadnezzar at the end of that 70 years, he came to the truth and he made the, the greatest decision that he ever made. Let's pray. Lord, I pray.